0: Tonight's Amazing Race recap is just 60 seconds away. But first, I want to take a moment and thank our sponsor for this episode of the podcast. Those are friends over at True Car. And if you're looking to buy a car, you're probably familiar with terms like MSRP. You might even know what it stands for, but what does it actually mean? The same goes for invoice, list price, and dealer price. It's enough to confuse anybody. All you really want is a price that actually means something. That's why True Car has introduced True Price. Now you can know exactly what you'll pay for for the car that you want, including the fees and accessories, before you even get to the dealership. And True Car dealers will show you the true price on cars like the one you want, all from the comfort of your own home. And how do you know if the true price is a great price? Because True Car is going to show you what other people paid for the same car that you want. And your certified dealer knows this. So, they can set their true price competitively so they can win your business. So, when you're ready to buy that new or used car, visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features are not available in all states. from my apartment it's rob has a podcast and now here's a guy who promises to be more excited during this podcast than phil was during the head-to-head i am rob sister Hello, everybody welcome back to week two of tv's new hit reality series the amazing race and here with me to talk about it all is our esteemed amazing race panel first uh, a woman who uh, I'm not sure if uh, she could tell us anything about the fries in Belgium and whether it's true. People race in the street in fry costumes there. Jessica Lee Jessica, how are you?
1: Um, I'm great, Rob. I don't know if they do it in Belgium, but I put my fry suit on just for this podcast.
0: Yeah, I think that Phil might have just been making stuff up uh, in the episode tonight when he said this. And they love them so much, they sometimes dress up in giant freak costumes like this to race. Nobody's nobody does that, Phil. That never happened before today.
1: It may have happened at some point. Like, (laughs) do you think they custom made those suits? (laughs)
0: Yes. Yes. I don't think that ever happened before. Uh, And now a man who can eat uh, five pounds of fries in eight minutes. Mike Bloom.
2: Pineapple. I just want to say that at the top of this podcast, this is a very safe podcast. So I want to <laughs> yes. let all the listeners know that.
0: Well, if you're saying pineapple, that means that we are not safe. That that's a safe word for Team Ocean Rescue.
1: I have to say the top story of this episode has got to be that we introduced the nation to the concept of the safe word on an 8 p.m. network TV show. <laughs>
2: yeah <laughs> basically it's really breaking boundaries in his 30th season it's historic for so many reasons
0: yeah <laughs> um the lucas and Brittany relationship is going to be an interesting one to follow i mean we had that weird moment last week where she was just really reading him the riot act i'm wondering if maybe there are going to be more 50 shades of gray type threads to watch oh, with no. them
2: yeah, I don't know what that mirror is going to get involved somehow, but I don't want to <laughs> even think about it. <laughs> All right.
0: Well, unfortunately, it was time to say namaste to Team Goat Yoga. Uh, they, they could not namaste. <laughs> yes.
1: Uh, and namaste here anymore.
0: <laughs> yes. Uh, they did not goat this.
2: We goat this. No,
0: you don't. You, do, you don't. <laughs> you did not goat it. So very sad to see them go. We had the big head-to-head race. Amazing race. History was made tonight. Uh, We will talk all that through and much more tonight and take your questions as well. Plus, exit interviews. Team Goat Yoga will be my guest coming up on Thursday on the podcast. Uh, Mike Bloom as well will speak to Team Goat Yoga for Thursday people dot com Mike, are you excited to have a chance to finally talk to team go Yoga?
2: absolutely I mean they've had a very tumultuous couple of legs. I mean, we even saw this episode. They were kind of lagging in the back of the pack, but it's clearly the head of head the head to head literally did them in so you know I'd love to get their thoughts about. That whole thing and obviously everything that transpired in the first leg. interpersonally, I would say this leg was much better for them, but race-wise, uh, maybe not too, too much better.
0: And in other news, Jess, so in the official RHAP Amazing Race Fantasy draft, uh, I am officially uh, <laughs> two and done. I guess you don't go with this either. No, <laughs> I'm out. So... Okay, very quickly, I am out of the contest.
2: To be fair, I don't know, maybe we can give you like consolation ghost points for you had the points? two teams, or goat points. Uh, you had the two <laughs> teams that were points? in the close. Oh, boy, that should be your fantasy teams are now on Ghost Island because uh, they were mistakes that will come back to haunt you.
0: (laughs) Just will season 31 of the highly rated Amazing Race be Ghost Pit Stop, where many of the artifacts from Amazing Race past will show up once again.
1: Yeah, there will be an intersection. And um, if you get there, you have to give up all your money. There's going to be a yield. Yeah, sky's the limit here. (laughs) will there
2: be a memory task about the items on ghost pit stop island
0: (laughs) all right so a lot of stuff to get to but uh, i guess uh let's start by talking about the head-to-head and really we have uh this new invention at least in the amazing race american version and it does fundamentally change the nature of the amazing race and i'm wondering if it's going to be Probably not as polarizing as the Final Four twist in Survivor this past season, although probably (laughs) what could be. But just on no, just, some level, that's
2: not saying much yeah. whatsoever.
0: <laughs> just on some level, do you feel like that the head to head fundamentally changes what this show is from week to week, where you race and then you get to the finish line? And if you raced faster, then you get to stay. And if you did the race in the slowest time, you lose. Now we're ultimately adding a fire making competition here at the end of the leg of the race.
1: Are we really, though, Rob? Because when you think about it, I think this is less of a fundamental departure from what the game is than, say, the survivor twist. Because you are still going to be penalized if you don't race as fast as the other teams. If you don't perform the task as well as the other teams, you're still out of there. And I am i don't love the execution here for reasons I think we're going to get into as we get a little further along. But... I think this is not as radical a departure as you might think on its face.
2: It's, and it's probably because, you know, it's been really interesting following the reception that it's gotten from the American audience – many of which did not watch the Canadian version of The Amazing Race, which Jess and I both had, which, again, we talked about this last week, but it introduced this concept. Granted, it was called The Face-Off. For some reason, this task goes by a million different names, and nobody wants to keep the same name throughout (laughs) all the iterations of Amazing Race that they do. But maybe it's a little bit more palatable, as Jess is saying, to some people, because we've sort of had it in our bloodstream for the past three years, whereas opposed to you, Rob, and a lot of these people that were watching this for the first time, this is the first time you're encountering it. And admittedly, as Jess mentioned, as I'm sure we're going to get into, its placement did not necessarily make for a great debut in the American version, in my opinion.
1: I think it is worth pointing out that I think Mike and I have both been clamoring for this particular twist to be introduced to the game for many seasons now.
0: I don't want to come down hard on it. I actually thought it was a lot of fun, and I think it really created a lot of drama in the episode, and I think that most of that was stemming from Henry and Evan and having a bit of like a tin cup type moment of that just they <laughs> continued to race and race, and they just weren't getting it and I was really just for the great television, I really wanted them to get eliminated,
2: yeah, it was uh, much like the myth of Sisyphus who had to push the bag of frozen frites up the mountain <laughs> and it kept rolling back down,
0: yeah, so I really did think that this was exciting, that being said. You know, I, I did think it was a little bit of a change, but I wasn't mad at it. I, I didn't think that it was anything that I was going to uh, come on here and object to. And then ultimately, you know, uh, we ended up with probably a different team going home than would have gone home without this. Jess, does that change anything for you that uh, in another universe, in a parallel world, Earth 2, Team Goat Yoga would still be in the race? <laughs>
1: So over in the Mirror Universe, Team Goat Yoga is like the Captain Killy.
0: (laughs) Yeah, pretty much.
1: I don't think it's necessarily a huge departure. I did kind of like that a team that was very strong got tripped up by it and almost ended up going home. Mm -hmm. I, I think Goat Yoga may have gotten a little screwed by this twist, but also they weren't as good at the task. Yeah. And I think Amazing Race is a lot more egalitarian in that way, where you pretty much don't go home if you're really, really good at the task. Just let me ask you, do you think that this head-to-head
0: task was fair in that it was a competition that really favored a team with more physical strength? And if you were not a super athletic team, then if you had to do this multiple times, then it was something that was going to really penalize you and potentially send you out and really favor a team that was going to be one of these two alpha male teams or at least uh, a team with one alpha male.
1: Well, maybe, but this is a race. It's got physical tasks. What I would really love to see is I hope they don't just throw the baby out with the bathwater. If this is not popular right out of the gate. And I think Mike will agree. The same thing kind of happened in Canada where the face off sort of landed with a thud and people didn't think a lot of it. But as time went on, it got more interesting and engaging. And now it's a really vital part of the show. If you ask me, mm-hmm. I think the longer we go with this, if we have it a couple times a season, we have the opportunity to introduce a lot of different types of tasks. So they don't mm-hmm. all have to be running with something heavy. Right. Some of them can be running with something heavy. That's a key component of a successful race, is being strong and being athletic. But later on, we could have something where they have to play a board game with each other. Mm
0: -hmm. So in the Canadian version and the other international versions, is this head-to-head set up normally at the pit stop, or is it normally in the middle of the race?
2: It is in the middle of the race. Yeah, and that's better? Yeah, usually... Well, usually what happens is, uh, it's a bit like the marked-for-elimination penalty that they had in the middle seasons of the race, or the yield of your. Essentially what would happen is, uh, they would have this set up in the middle of a leg, and the team that loses that final face-off, they need to face a time penalty. So they just flip over an hourglass, like the Sands for the hourglass, the days of their lives pass by, and then they move on to the next task. So... I, I'm, I will quibble a little bit with how they placed it because, again, it, it's not like they do in the Canadian version. If they had to put it as the very last thing to do in the leg, I kind of like the idea of putting the pit stop right there and then because otherwise, you know, you're sort of just delaying the inevitable and giving them a clue to say, OK, go to this place now. And yes, you may have a chance of them getting lost, but otherwise, you know, g- get rid of the pomp and circumstance if they they're pretty much going to check in in the order that they leave that task in. So, you know, put the mat right there. And it provided prime opportunity for Phil to uh, not quit his day job and try to submit his audition tape for ESPN uh, in the live commentary he was doing at the head-to-head challenge.
0: Yeah, Phil was sort of just okay. Here we go. We've got a race, and okay, they're going. They're going around the corner now, Henry. Oh, he dropped his bag. Freets are made out of potatoes. Are made out of potatoes. Oh, there are a, eight bags on the cart. About a hundred foot lead at this point.
2: Can you imagine Phil doing, like, America's Funniest Home Videos with that same type of <laughs> demeanor? This <laughs> oh, car is green. Here, and here comes the kick to the nuts. Oh, that, yep, that one hurt. Much like a skier down the slopes. <laughs> it's like
0: skiing. It's like slalom skiing, I think. <laughs>
2: oh, boy. Yeah, or uh, the, the race car one I could understand with, like, taking the inside track and the... the hugging the apex or whatever alex and connor were talking about but the slalom skiing a bit of a stretch there phil i, I get what you were trying to do but at the same time <laughs> yeah
0: so it's not easy to call these races and have them be exciting i i ultimately i i like the idea of the head-to-head and i didn't mind it at the pit stop i just kind of thought that this particular obstacle course was just kind of lame i didn't think that there was uh, a lot going on here with a hand truck with frozen french fries and wearing a fry costume
1: yeah this was idiotic <laughs>
2: yes it's, it's like the Mc, i'm surprised mcdonald's didn't sponsor this you know they would if it was like back in the u.s this is like the, the challenge that every 16 year old faces when they get the shipments off the truck coming yeah. into their local store well,
0: maybe that they did not only import jess and cody from big brother but mike doesn't this feel like this is a bit of a big brother challenge
2: i mean I wouldn't say this is the most Big Brother challenge. How little you forget, Rob, that last season we were talking about people going door to door with oversized fireworks <laughs> to people dressed up in troll costumes, reading no, a horny poem that was to great, them to And that was them.
0: great, but this is, you know, uh, wear a fry costume and go around the obstacle course. And then on Big Brother, you wouldn't have Phil... Trying to give the play by play, you would have had all of these teams in the diary room yelling, All right, so fifth time through, I gotta get these fries, and go around the track, and if I don't do it, we could be eliminated.
2: Who do you think would be the I think I feel like Eater X, I feel like Tim would be like the big diary room <laughs> screamer of Amazing Race thirty.
0: Yeah. Uh, I think I could definitely see him as a uh, as a screamer. So all right, the head to head is here. How many head to heads do we anticipate this season, Jess?
1: I would say we'll see at least one more. I don't know that we'll see more than two more. I think it's something you don't want to overplay your hand. If you're bringing out a new twist, you don't want to force it down people's throats. I think the when they introduced this in Amazing Race Canada, they had two per season, and I think that's about where they're keeping it. I think that's about right.
2: They always—I feel like in Canada they always do—they do the second one at the final four. We did this one at the final ten. Do you think that we're going to wait that long to get our second head-to-head, or do you think that they might put it in like a final eight or a final six instead?
1: They might wait a while. I don't know if they'll wait all the way to the final four, but I could see it be exciting. I think final six
0: sounds right to me. I'm open to it. Yeah, they could throw as many in there as they want. Uh, I'd be fine with one a week.
1: Well, in Amazing Race Israel, they do have one one per leg. Yeah. So I don't think
0: they'll do it quite that much. I think that probably three I see is the max for this, but I definitely think that it was uh added an element of excitement. And of course, uh that the Amazing Race is already so exciting. It is uh Wednesday night's uh, number one hit show, and we had a little bit of a, you know, friendly wager on the podcast last week where I said, Okay, guess the Amazing Race ratings. Mike Bloom threw out six million people watching the season premiere. Of Amazing Race, and I thought that that was high. And boy, that Mike Bloom, you were lowballing it because over 7 million people watched the Amazing Race premiere, and I believe it won the coveted eight to nine
1: time slot. I think uh, we've learned the formula to getting the ratings for Amazing Race. All you got to do. Is stick it in someone else's prime time slot and have nothing else interesting beyond. No, in, in fairness, there were a couple other things that were on.
2: Yeah, I mean, we we definitely appraised the the, the episode for much lower value than it ended up actually being. There would be that the stern British woman would come up and uh, tisk t- t- us for it. It's interesting though to sort of. I don't know if we can dissect one ratings number, and who knows? I have a feeling that this week's numbers might be a little bit lower just because it's non-premiere. You know, there, there's not as much big hoopla around episode two, even with this head-to-head. I know that I was part of a tweet that was very Jody centric. I feel like, you're, as you're mentioning, Rob, I think the time slot really helps. You know, we've had it at Thursdays at ten in the last season. This is really prime time and Wednesdays at eight. There really is not too too much competition in the early winter months. But I mean, as an amazing race fan. And knowing how many times, including this past season, where the show was on the brink of never being seen again, this is very, very exciting
1: news.
0: Yeah, no, I think it was a really positive omen for the show. And just just to speak to what else was on. So it went up against the premiere of the second season of the X-Files reboot, which actually did really terrible. And uh really fell off from uh, where it was uh the last time around. Sorry, Brendan Fitzpatrick. And then also uh the Blacklist was on NBC, which I believe was a new episode. And then I believe uh the Goldbergs uh was on in the eight o'clock hour. And then, uh, uh, I think another, sh- another sitcom that was on after, but the amazing race won the time slot. And, uh, that's really encouraging. You know, we've gone through this so many times of, all right, well, this is going to be probably the last season of the amazing race. And,
1: uh, I bet it's not. I'm going to stop calling it the last season every season. keep calling it the last season every yeah, season. Yeah, that's an omen. Because <laughs> I've been doing this since like season 26. I've been saying, eh, we're probably not going to get another one. So, bye, bye Amazing Race. And it keeps coming back. So, yeah, either I got to stop being wrong or I got to keep being wrong.
0: I'd be surprised if there is a huge drop-off from last week's number to this week's number, Mike.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know too much about television ratings. I, I would imagine it's still a drop-off, but not really something sizable. But, I mean, I believe this is also the strongest premiere rating since maybe The Amazing Race 23? Mm-hmm. Back in, like, so it's, it's, it's like nearly five years uh, that The Amazing Race has had such strong ratings. Now, part of that might be because of the time slot that constantly got shipped around, but I don't know, I, I don't want to, you know, put the cart before the horse, put the freets before <laughs> the dolly too much here, but I feel like this is a perfect spot for the amazing race moving forward. If CBS wants to make it, you know, their mid-season Wednesday night at 8 p.m. pre Survivor, if the double ups work, as we'll see throughout the course of the season, I think this could be a really, really good spot for it moving forward.
0: Just do you think that there was anything to that maybe the idea of one amazing race season a year?
1: Um, I am all for there being one amazing race season a year if the alternative is no amazing race seasons a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think, I think this is a really great spot for it. Uh, I'm excited to see if. We get another one. We might have to wait a year for it, but it's okay. We're going to have to wait a year and a half for Game of Thrones.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, they could, there's nothing saying that they couldn't put it on. I mean, we'll see how it performs when it goes to nine o'clock once Celebrity Big Brother comes on. But I think that they could stack it on a Wednesday with uh big brother over the course of the summer. Do the same sort of thing. I, I mean, I, again, I think it would be quick to turn around the season, but if they went right from the end of Survivor 36 and then had the amazing race, 31, premiering the next week in that time slot and then ultimately giving way to big brother when that came on i think that that would be a smart strategy for cbs moving forward but it's probably not enough time to uh, get that going but let's talk about the actual episode that we saw tonight so uh, the leg went to belgium Uh, mike uh, was that a interesting locale for you
2: yeah, we haven't been to Belgium in a hot second. Uh, season 19 was the last time we went to Belgium. It's probably most well-known, and this is actually probably the most well-known uh, moments of season 19, because it's not really that memorable of a season, was the uh, the bodybuilding in bikinis and speedos. And I remember that Bill and Kathy, which was our requisite old-person team of the season, I remember Bill really uh, glowed in that moment. And it wasn't just because he was covered in oil. But we've only been there once before. So this is the second time in 30... 30- seasons of the race that we're going here.
0: Jess, were you pumped up to see Stan the Chocolatier?
1: Stan the Chocolatier seemed like a great guy. Um, I do think this leg sort of smacked of someone made the interns go on Wikipedia (laughs) and type in Belgium and see, they decided to see what came up, and that was what they did around the leg, and this is something that I feel like the show has suffered from quite a lot in recent seasons, so I would be More interested to see in the future if they could do a little bit more research than what they're doing. I was
0: pumped up to see Stan the Chocolatier, and then I felt like they gave him nothing to do.
2: Yeah, I he mean, out a clue. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, uh, the littlest chocolatier is far off of TLC's airwaves. Rob, I, I think that it's really out of the cultural zeitgeist at this moment. I think the, I don't think they want to call too much attention to it, but good on Stan. You know, they said 10 percent of the Belgian population works in chocolate in some way, shape or form. So I feel like Stan was a good representative <laughs> of 10 percent of Belgium. Yeah.
0: All right, so we ended up with the teams after they got their clue. We ended up with a, I thought, Jess, a, a very cheeky uh, Chiron here for the amazing race, where <laughs> the, the lower third was for this roadblock. Who wants to get high? And uh, that wasn't all. Uh, Phil was also in on this as well <laughs> with this riddle. What do you get yeah. if you take a hundred plus foot crane and some rope ladders? opportunity to get so high (laughs) (laughs) Phil
1: yeah well they stopped off in Amsterdam before they got to Belgium (laughs) so anything could have happened Yeah. I I feel like the punchline
2: is some sort of Lucas and Brittany 50 shades reference there (laughs) (laughs) an opportunity
0: to get so high was what you got and so the teams that uh, climbed this ladder which I thought was pretty death defying Mike I think I would have been very scared to go do this
1: I'm
2: so confused as to what this was. I know that we took umbrage with the freets race, but this is a weird hobby for me. Whether you're supposed to climb the ladder before it gets to a certain height, or you were just supposed to climb the ladder and then wait for everyone else to climb the ladder, and then you come back down and get your clue or get your flag, as Cedric would call it. Yeah,
0: I couldn't tell. Like, Was the crane going up and down while they were trying to climb, or were the ladders going up and down, and if you didn't climb fast enough, you'd run out of ladder?
1: It was on a timer, I think, and it went up while you were climbing but the ladders and if or the cr- crane did the crane did with the ladders dangling off of it. And then once you reached a certain point, like you reached the zenith of the crane, it would start to come back down. And if you didn't get to the top of the ladder before then, you'd have to go again, I assume. But nobody seemed to have to take <laughs> no. more than one try.
0: And what happened if your clue fell into the ocean?
2: All you had to do was um, just touch the top of the, the the zenith, as Jess called it, and then you're good to go, apparently. Even though Joey Chestnut looked like he might have a heart attack going to cardiac arrest <laughs> on the ladder, uh, he, even he was able to just merely touch the top of the platform and be able to get the clue in time.
0: <laughs> Mike, do you think, is there a chance of that? I mean, Joey Chestnut, I know that he's eaten all these terrible things. Do you feel like, is there is there a pos is he at risk, Joey Chestnut?
2: I don't know. It's his hot dog feet are weighing him down at this point? So his footsteps are very, very heavy. I mean, was it Tim was the one who ate the fries? Right? I'm surprised because you think Joey Tesla would have to be the one with clogged arteries. Uh, we'll we'll see if this ends up tripping them up because it definitely seems like Joey is the less athletic of the two. And as the competition shrinks down and the uh, the tasks get inevitably physically tougher, even more physically tough than the head to head, you can imagine that that might make them fall to the back of the pack a bit.
0: so we go to our detour after all this, and we had uh, the choice between old print and diamond glint. Jess, I didn't think that either of these detour options were particularly riveting to watch.
1: Mm, I thought the print was kind of fun to watch just because of all of the ways that people screwed it up. Mm -hmm. And the one way that seemed obvious to me and also to Team Extreme how you go about doing this task and nobody else really grasping that that's what you should do. Yeah. So I guess that was okay. But the other one was basically just math.
0: Mm -hmm. And it seems really hard. I mean, the, that seemed a lot harder than the printing task, Mike.
2: Absolutely. This might be one of the hardest detour choices that I've seen in quite some time, just because there are some math challenges. I believe there was one all the way back in like Amazing Race 3 where they had to calculate the amount of money that went into a bank vault in Zurich or something like that, where Ken and Gerard yelled abort, abort, abort a million times. But between like not only the math, but also having to. Figure out okay what's the size of this diamond? What are the imperfections in this diamond that are not caused by your fingerprints? It seemed extremely <laughs> intricate, and but at the same time as well, you know, when they start putting guesses in, I'm wondering like, okay, do they need to be within a certain number, a certain tolerance amount? You know, are they allowed a certain amount of leeway? But no, they had to be exactly literally right. right on the money, which sounds absolutely insane. I'm surprised that you know Lucas and Brittany, uh, and I mentioned the firefighters that end up switching, but I'm surprised that. Uh, you know, all of the teams who did Diamond Glint were not all the last groups out of there because that seemed so, so much tougher than the printing press, even though I'm assuming if you get annoyed by a man in a Harlequin uniform playing on his piccolo endlessly, that, that might, you know, make <laughs> the task a I thought it was more of a recorder.
0: Jess, what instrument was that? <laughs> it looked like a recorder yes, to me. Yes, okay. <laughs> Jess, uh, in terms of your amazing race rules for the detour, how do these two tasks stack up?
1: Um, well, honestly, I think that the printing press one looked like the far easier one. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, in the moment, it's kind of hard to tell because the diamonds, Like, if you are really good at math, you might be tempted to give that one a shot. And especially, I think possibly that one was closer to everything else that was going on. But really looking at both of those, You pick the one that you think might seem a little easier. And to me, that one did seem like the printing. So I don't know that there's necessarily a rule that I would apply to it. But I think we're right that 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 one did seem like the one that people should be doing. So This was
0: a nice bounce back week for Cedric and Sean, who were able to be the first ones out of the printing press task. Luckily, Mike, none of the O's had accents on them. (laughs)
2: Yeah, thank God for the Belgian language, because if Johannes Gutenberg had put any, uh, accents in uh, over there, Cedric and Sean would have been screwed once again. Done in by the accents in more regards
1: than one. Flemish, Mike. It's called Flemish.
2: Uh, that's, uh, that's true. Now I, I, That was very, uh, <laughs> Very American of me to assume that Belgians spoke a language called Belgian. My mistake.
0: So I presume in the Simpsons Amazing Race that they did not get to Belgium.
2: No, I went to previous locations that were visited in the Simpsons. At that point in the canon they had not visited Belgium. Uh, I'm not sure if they have as of this point. They're up going on 29 seasons so my assumption is yes, but no Belgium was not included. So somehow there's
0: more Amazing Race seasons than the Simpsons?
2: Uh, Yeah, at this point... one has out, maybe that's one reason why they need to keep producing two amazing race seasons a year they got to outpace the simpsons well the simpsons is tightly hugging the apex of the curve with their, uh, in their head-to-head and their head to head battle the amazing race has to go over that bridge in one piece
0: so uh, the teams would struggle with that the text needed to be backwards and upside down and we saw it was a Team Ocean Rescue. They were struggling with one very popular mistake on CBS reality TV.
2: Do you think the U is actually an N? No, I think we have to flip them
0: around. <laughs> Damn you, Upside Down You, You are the bane of our existence. Just what are the chances The Upside Down you looms so large in the last 30 days of reality TV?
1: and upside down you is having a moment. <laughs> Maybe it should run for president. <laughs>
2: upside down
1: you 2020?
2: I don't know. Do we, what do we think upside down you's qualifications are?
1: You don't need qualifications anymore. You just got to be you just got to be TV savvy, which upside down you very clearly upside is. Upside down
0: you has really dominated has had a lot of face time and the thing about upside down you, it doesn't flip-flop. That it only goes that there's only one way that upside down you is going to look at a situation that you could try to get him turned around, but he is always going to uh, have the same viewpoint.
1: Except when he's an
2: N. well, the question is, can upside down you really put out a popular opinion though because I feel like every time <laughs> upside down you is used, it's must everyone's consternation, right nobody's saying hooray and upside down you is here so really can they can they tap into the mainstream of what the American people want to be able to really access what each and every American desires in the deepest of their hearts? Well,
0: upside down you is Look, a contrarian upside down you is going to tell you the uh, the tough facts that you may not want to hear, Jess.
1: Upside down you challenges the status quo. (laughs) He's an iconoclast.
2: Uh, The status quo, you mean?
1: (laughs) Yes, the status (laughs) quo.
2: Is that its slogan? (laughs) The the status quo.
0: The 11 accent? Is that his running mate? (laughs)
2: No, because then you know you're not getting the votes of the NBA players if you do that.
0: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So uh, the teams uh, had to head to uh, the head-to-head, and we had our first head-to-head battle. It was Jess and Cody versus uh the nba players i thought that it was it uh cedric or sean who threw some shade jess at cody and said that he is five foot four
1: it was hard to tell in the moment who was saying that but i think they both like i think everybody looks five foot four to those guys <laughs> that to I, be I fair i mean
2: i don't know i mean rob you met you met him in person i He's saw no them at the starting line yeah I mean, yeah, they're on a scale of chocolatier to Cedric. They're definitely somewhere in the middle.
1: As are most of us.
2: Yeah. Yes, exactly.
0: Okay. And then, so Sean ran the race, uh, but so he lost to Cody. But then here comes Henry and Evan. And this would begin a uh, afternoon of pain for uh, our team Yale.
2: I, I do feel bad from here. And, and Phil again, maybe looking for things to say. Uh, very. I mean, I remember when Lucas and Brittany checked in, and Phil's like, "Brittany, you're crying. You should be crying for these two. Because, <laughs> yeah, please yeah. pity these teams for me, please." <laughs>
0: yeah, can you believe these idiots they, they still they keep losing? Can you believe this? Really well, if it Jeff
1: Probst, he would have been like, Henry and Evan, make it another try at it. Henry and Evan are just terrible at this.
2: Yeah. They're never checking in. I will agree with what you said earlier, Rob. Uh, one of my quibbles with the Canadian version of the face-off is that I do feel like... It doesn't do a lot of shifting around in terms of places. It usually is pretty much like, okay, this team loses, but then they beat the next team and so on and so forth until the team that comes in at the back of the pack is pretty much going to be the one that ends up with the time penalty. Here we at least got a little bit more variance with, you know, Henry Henry and Evan unfortunately falling from third place. It's going to be their second, third place of the race all the way down to eighth. And I wonder if it's just... I guess it's like a matter of physicality compounded with just having to do this over and over and over again until Henry was finally able to figure out both. Henry was able to figure out how to take the, uh, the middle track. And also he probably was able to, uh, you know, outgun his opponents when the goat yoga people came in.
0: <laughs> I think so. I think that he would not be able to live with the humiliation of going down to team goat yoga. Uh, like he lost to everybody. But then when it comes down to, okay, I can't lose to goat yoga.
1: I mean, he threw an elbow in there. It looked. I like. mean, it was like
0: blood sport. It it really got very. It was like full contact, and uh, Phil was not calling any penalties. Mike, do we need to have our Schmirgen brawl moment on the Amazing Race before they start enforcing some of these no contact penalties in the head to head?
2: I don't know. Next time on, Cedric seems to be in a little bit of pain. Maybe that's from the Freets race. Uh, I I don't don't know if you're asking for a referee, but I'm pretty sure that guy dressed in that (laughs) that weird zoot suit suit might have been the referee.
0: (laughs) Jess, what was that? What was that supposed to be?
1: Um... I think maybe he's like Belgium's answer to the Hamburglar. I'm not. I'm not totally sure. I don't
0: know. It was like uh, yeah, Belgium's answer to Rod Roddy. It was just such a bizarre <laughs> costume that he was wearing. Belgian yeah. Kurt Connor. <laughs>
2: in, in, inste, in, instead of the Hamburglar, it's the Fry Loader. He just takes all the frites, and you have to you have to wheel them away so he can't get his hands on them. Yeah.
0: So, congratulations to Justin Cody. They are the winner of this leg of the race. Uh, first, first place finish for them. I did think that Phil was a bit of a tease to them uh, because he starts telling them, "Justin Cody, for coming in first place, you both have won twenty five hundred dollars." <laughs> like, <laughs> I thought he was going for twenty five thousand. Thought that that was uh, <laughs> where he was going.
2: I mean, Cody's kind of been in that territory, right? <laughs> this is just small change to him. Just fries. Yeah.
1: Well, this is one of the cheapest legs I've ever seen in the amazing race history. I mean, we got to start with the fact that they flew into Amsterdam, major airport hub, Amsterdam on Wow Air, mm-hmm. which is a very, very budget airline. Um, it's basically, it probably cost about a hundred bucks a ticket to do that, if that. I think sometimes you can fly from, like, the U.S. to Iceland for a 100 bucks on WoW Air. Um, so
2: then Is WoW Air there. what they say when the plane gets up in the air? Like, wow, I can't believe this actually worked?
1: <laughs> basically, yes. You have to pay to carry on a bag and check a bag and basically anything other than the clothes on your back. Yeah. And you have to pay for bottled water. It's one of those. Um, so... They do that. They don't connect on another flight to Antwerp. They get on the train. And then they basically, the crane was probably the biggest expense of the entire episode. The rest of this was like you had to kind of take out a little liability insurance on the diamonds, but everything else was indoors. And then they had to rent some janky costumes and a guy in a suit to be the referee. <laughs> <laughs> And they're really cutting corners, and then for the prize, they give away twenty five hundred dollars each, each, each. Yeah, that was pretty cheap.
2: You can tell, you yeah, That maybe, maybe the production crew is like, all right, everyone, like, take the money out of your pockets. We need to pool money together. We need a prize real quick.
0: Yeah. Hopefully, somebody picked up one of the diamonds from the production crew.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> April might have pocketed one by the end of it. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah,
1: when, when she dropped that diamond i wondered if that was like an insta elimination
2: <laughs> yeah you
0: lose it yeah the whole thing was just one big grift where she was traveling with like uh, cubic zirconiums to try to get to this point in the race she <laughs> just switch them out. out
2: the diamonds well i hope there's a diamond task so i can make the big slop
1: <laughs> yeah well <laughs> this is the greatest oceans 11 sequel ever
2: oh yeah, it's the goat grift yeah
1: well, who is it
0: that is getting engaged? Is it that Lucas and Brittany? Are they the ones that that Lucas is going to pop the question? Too bad he didn't have like his ring. He could have like uh, switched out the stone for something that was much better.
2: <laughs> I know this diamond necklace; it was appraised at one hundred thousand dollars, but it's worth a, it's worth an unlimited amount of money to me because that's what, the amount of love that I have for you, Brittany.
0: Pineapple. <laughs> Pineapple. (laughs) So, uh, this is where uh, Henry and Evan they have uh, uh, their first their first battle. uh, Then,
1: who is the matchup here? Was it Evan that went against Sean? Um, yeah, Evan went the second time. Yeah, no, Henry went the first time, and then Evan went the second time. Yeah,
2: Evan went against Team Extreme. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah that that seemed like uh they that was a bit of a punt also on that one.
2: Yeah. So, uh, how do we feel about? Because the other thing about these face offs from the Canadian version, again, not to speak towards the other versions that I haven't seen, is that they've been, uh, you know, cooperative. It's been the two team members working together. I know we got a a tweet from the great Pod Vader, or yeah, great Pod Vader about this as to, you know, maybe it would have been improved if, I don't know, if it was a relay, if they had to trade off. Uh, Do you like the idea that they would be able to switch off between partners every race? I mean,
0: it didn't bother me. Would you have rather had one person go the whole time? We wanted to have both teams members that are in the race.
2: I wonder if there's something from, like, the cooperative elements. I mean, I know it's going to create this interesting moment at the end where, you know, Sarah decides, despite her not really trusting April in the first episode, she decides to put her forward here as her tribute, and she ends up, you know, losing it for them. But I wonder if the task would have looked a little differently and played out a little bit differently if both team members had to run. You know, if both Cody and Jessica had to run, you know, could they have beaten the NBA's team slam dunk as a whole?
1: It certainly would have made them a lot more tired. Hmm. I'm sure like that might have been floated, but I wonder if they realized very quickly that a team that's pulling a Henry and Evan, if they both have to run every race, they're going to the returns on that are going to be far more diminishing.
0: I also thought the conventional wisdom was going to be okay. Well, there's a learning curve on this. So you'll after you do it once, then you'll know the right way to do it. You'll have a big advantage against another team that's just showing up and just it did not play out that way.
1: It did not seem to because, A, Sean lost the first race and then I don't know how he won the second race pushing the cart the way he was because that looked really painful. Mm -hmm. And also it seemed like Henry and Evan needed a lot of tries before they figured out what they were doing wrong.
0: So we, we continue the downfall of Henry and Evan as they would go on to lose to... Uh, Tr- uh, Chris then they would lose to uh, Alex they would lose to Lucas <laughs> Uh, and it's uh, they would lose to Tim and then it wasn't until we got to Henry versus April that there was finally an opening Mike
2: yeah though uh, Henry showed a, a little bit of I, I, I know that you were saying there's some elbows being thrown I'm sure it was unintentional in everyone's parts because those dollies seem so unwieldy. But I loved Henry, I'm sure, completely accidentally, completely sniping April in the very beginning of the race by cutting right in front of her. But
0: I, I really feel like that for Henry, that this was uh, he just viewed this matchup versus April as uh, that his back was against the wall. They were getting eliminated if because they knew Eric and Daniel were out there with fresh legs. And I think he felt like that this was going to be his only chance to move on just.
1: Yeah, I think that's about right. Um, And I think you got to give him some props for pulling it together. Like even if the competition was not necessarily the toughest competition he faced all afternoon, the fact that he was able to get up there on what was, I think, his fourth try on this course, (laughs) his fifth try on this course and knock it out. I I thought that was great. Um, That speaks to his resilience. I think that's going to serve them down the line. Yeah.
2: And I think I wonder if uh, finishing near the bottom, uh, you know, you you Tyson sort of put out this adage on your podcast a couple of years ago about how when Survivor players come back and they're winners, they might not do as well because they don't know what it's like to get voted out. Maybe it's a similar way with Amazing Race, where like now that Henry and Evan have finished on the top, and now that they finished on the bottom, and they know what that feeling is like, it might a little bit might light a little bit more of a fire under them, sort of like what happened with Cedric and Sean here, as opposed to maybe. Team Big Brother or Team Extreme, both of which have finished in the top 3 both legs and are now sort of coasting on a high.
0: So that last head to head with Daniel and April, I felt like that there was some juice there, Jess.
1: Yeah, it was it was an exciting race. It looked competitive. Um but ultimately it was just not the goat yoga <laughs> ladies day. Yeah i also loved it when
0: henry fell down right at the finish line i think that that would have been a really interesting call for phil to make like because it looked like that he was like part of him was over the finish line but he didn't have everything across the finish line i think that that would have been a really tricky call for phil to make had april had like passed him before he got across mike
2: I mean, second week in a row would have come down to a photo finish. So, Go Yoga team might have been the most controversial team in Amazing Race history just because of how many times they were able to skirt elimination due to a, a literal inches. <laughs> yeah, I audibly gasped
0: when that happened. I was like, Oh, <laughs> they're gonna lose! I was uh, so excited, so excited for uh, Henry to go out that way. But no, Henry and Evan will move on. It's not that like I don't like them. It was just, uh, you know, the 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 human drama was was so intense.
1: This was, yeah, this was very, this was an episode full of emotional intensity, I guess, especially considering that the entire second half of the episode was given over to a monumentally stupid task. <laughs> <laughs> hey,
0: how could you call this French fry relay race uh, stupid when we got moments like Cedric talking about salting himself?
2: I know I look crazy with these fries. <laughs> Some seasoned salt on. Put a little bit of seasoned salt on. That's all you need on it. Just seasoning salt. Yes, Cedric is Salt Bay. Confirmed. <laughs> <laughs> Cedric is like—I'm pretty sure Cedric is like an undercover millennial. Did you catch at the printing press task when he's like, "I'm surprised there aren't emojis in here,"
1: and he dabbed when they finished that task? Yeah, Did you I'm catch that? I'm pretty sure.
2: I'm pretty sure he's an undercover millennial, guys. I know he's the <laughs> oldest person on the race, but I feel like there's something in there. A bit of seasoning on—that's all you need on seasoning <laughs>
0: Uh, now are we allowed to talk about previews, Jess? What's our policy on this?
1: Um, I think we're allowed to talk about anything that's been on the air. So previews, commercials, um, this season on. I think, I think that's this fair This season? This season's hot on. That's all you need on this season. So,
0: Jess, based on what I saw in the preview, is Jessica going to steal somebody's Travelocity gnome?
1: It looks like that's exactly what happens. <laughs> it looks like she runs into Brittany at a task and just, like, picks up her gnome and absconds with it because apparently it looks like they might have to find the gnomes and it's sort of scavenger hunty or maybe they have to pick them up from some other location. But, boy, that does not seem like it should be allowed, and I think <laughs> we're going to have to wait and see if Phil throws a disappointed dad look on them and gives them a penalty. Disappointed dad
0: Jessica, did you feel like that that was something that was good sportsmanship to do on the race? Well, you know, we're just like, in you know, Big Brother. We're just here to do whatever it takes to win. But should you have done that here? Would you want someone to steal your travelocity gnome? Would you? <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah not not since not since Boo the gnome has there been such controversy around Big Brother contestants and gnomes, Rob. <laughs>
0: You know, we talked about last week Phil with Miss Iceland on the mat. Just did we get an introduction to who the young woman on the mat with Phil was this week?
1: No, but boy, she did not seem impressed with <laughs> Phil. Like even less than Miss Iceland did. At least Miss Iceland was polite. Like, oh, oh, okay. Uh, here's
0: Phil trying to explain. Again, Phil is so impressed with the competitive eating. Uh, here's <laughs> Phil trying to explain uh, the world record for eating French fries. Do you like French fries? I love oh, doing. Yeah. I hold the record. Just over six pounds of French fries eaten in, in eight minutes. Not impressed.
2: I <laughs> know. Kind <of, somebody's> <laughs> the best in the world. <laughs> what? I'm you really? Don't care about this? I'm really. I'm really enjoying season thirty, Phil. I know he got taken out of the credits, <laughs> but between this, between the sideline announcing, between the riddle he provided during the detour, and him at introduce or at the roadblock introducing the detour while like wandering around this printing press workshop and trying to talk directly over this poor worker who's just trying to get this document printed, like. Phil has crossed a threshold, and I am so so happy about hanging it. Hanging out with Stan, the chocolatier. <laughs> yeah, yeah, surprised he didn't like give a fist bump. After. I want. I think we should definitely track Phil's camaraderie with the greeters and just completely getting no salt every yeah.
1: time by then.
0: Phil's like a real Willy Wonka hanging out with the uh, chocolatiers.
1: He's more like one of the parents that gets kicked <laughs> off early on. <laughs>
2: Violet, you're turning violet, Violet <laughs> <laughs> My boy loves
0: french fries Got any of those, Wonka? <laughs>
2: <laughs> my, my boy eats six pounds of french fries every day You, you impressed by that, Wonka? <laughs> he
0: can eat six pounds in eight minutes You should really see him go He's a real glutton. (laughs) All right. Let's get into some of the questions that that we have uh, from the listeners. Uh, A lot of questions about the head to head. Humberto has a question. He wants to know, did Henry and Evan have to alternate. It seems dumb they didn't reserve their more skilled runner and skip the big guys that were going to beat them. Just did you feel like that strategically they made a mistake in terms of uh, picking out their matchups?
1: Well, I think the problem is every time you run that course, you get tired. And I think they were alternating to give each other a rest. Mm-hmm. So I and I think there might be wisdom in if they'd been out with these people a little bit longer They might think, well, okay, maybe we want to just sort of punt this one and wait for the next person to come along because we got a better chance against goat yoga than we do against Sean Marion. But I think they haven't been out there with these people long enough to know – to be able to pinpoint exactly who's going to be best at pushing a big dolly full of French fries. And I think they were kind of hoping that they were going to have the upper hand because they were more experienced – And they were just trying to maximize like rested, experienced, and it just didn't work out for them. They just weren't good at it. Yeah, I'm sort of reminded
0: back in like Heroes versus Villains where they had to do the matchups for the uh, sumo at mud task, Mike, and the Mm -hmm. villains uh, matched up Randy versus James because they knew, okay, James is going to win no matter who we put up against him. And so they try, even though they, I think they got completely shut out, I think, but they tried to at least like, okay, well, let's save our uh, best people for matchups that we could potentially win. Well, there was also that genius challenge. The black and white game.
1: Yeah, the black and white
2: game. Yes, yes. I like I like how you're comparing Evan to Randy Bailey. That really is a comparison <laughs> I've never even thought of before. But now it's picture perfect. Yeah.
1: <laughs> We're right. comparing her to Randy Bailey and Lee Sang-min. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Harper Elizabeth once know, did Connor do anything? He did terrible with the spelling last week and then made horrible jokes while Alex did everything with the diamonds. Uh, Mike, where are we with Connor and Alex?
2: I love how kind of useless Connor is at this point. And I mean, this is also like... We talked about this on the preview a bit, about how this is what happens sometimes with these amazing race teams, where you have one... Sometimes you have the dynamic where one person's an absolute superstar and the other just kind of isn't there. I mean, we got this storyline of Connor the Freeloader last week. Here we have Connor talking about how he's never held anything of value in his life before. <laughs> <laughs> and how he's only used a microscope in eighth grade looking at stuff. Uh, so I am... If this becomes a recurring storyline, I'm absolutely all for it. Yeah.
1: Well, I also, I liked the part where he's talking about how IndyCar racing is not comfortable or glamorous. Mm-hmm. And you know you have to wear like your heavy suit, and there's no air conditioning, and you don't have power steering, and it's really hard, you guys.
0: So that was going to get them really in the right mindset for pushing the hand truck filled with <laughs> frites.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, anything of value does definitely not include bags of frozen frites.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Speak for yourself, Mike.
2: Uh. <laughs> they called a dollar menu for a reason jess
0: <laughs> alex grossbarth wants to know why did the person that wasn't racing have to wear the freets costume
2: solidarity <laughs> yeah well they did have to
0: switch off that you know it could have been you could have just put on the costume and then your first person could have won but there's a there was a chance that both people would have to run the race
1: oh do you have to be prepared <laughs>
2: yeah i don't know i think it would have been fun if they had to share the costume as well especially if uh you know when commerce time how they sweat yeah they they sweat eight to ten pounds in their uh their indycar uniforms could you imagine they did that quick change and alex had to get in all that stank (laughs) the costume
0: should have been conjoined you should have had to run the race uh within like one your one giant box of fries with four legs i think that that's how they should have done this (laughs) now just we didn't touch on how uh the firefighters ended up switching tasks i mean they should have been eliminated just for that i mean that was a a crazy move to make
1: i thought maybe the most entertaining Part of that whole detour was the firefighters trying to figure out a strategy for seeing if their printing job was correct by printing the message all <laughs> over their arms and looking at it to see if it read correctly, not getting it and then deciding <laughs> to switch.
0: Yeah, I mean, that was crazy. and then, they're like, oh, this diamond task is so much easier. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I don't get that at all, but uh, it's, it seemed to work for them.
1: Well, each detour has its own pros and cons, Rob.
0: I guess so. I mean, is there something to that where, like, on the word ambulance is written backwards on the... But I guess they they, they weren't good at that. So I don't know why being yeah. a firefighter was, uh, you know, necessarily why that helped them with looking at diamonds, Mike.
2: Yeah, that's the problem. Fire is not written backwards on the fire trucks. <laughs> Otherwise, that would have been a five pole task for sure. <laughs>
0: Amy Cook wants to know, was Brittany doing the Macarena? Did you guys catch that?
2: Yes,
1: she was doing the Macarena. Why? For some
2: reason, she thought that was going to give him inspiration. I don't know when in anyone's life the Macarena has ever inspired someone to do anything in their lives, but it got, them, it got Lucas through the race, so I guess correlation does equal causation in this case.
0: Yeah. Well, if that did happen, I think it was in 1996. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why the Macarena came out in Belgium for britney and what that has to do with the word pineapple but uh, yeah, that might be their safe gesture
2: instead of their safe <laughs> word that's their signal <laughs> lucas stop the taxi <laughs>
0: <laughs> jeffrey goldstein wants to know is goat yoga transferable to racing in a french fry suit jess
1: apparently not
0: yes the, the of all the things that maybe like kids parkour you think that that would have potentially uh been at least some of the same skill set but no
1: yeah, and I guess like low center gravity paddle boarding, something, something, cooking, dental, dental puzzles. hygienist assistant.
2: <laughs> mm, yeah, did you did you guys see Christy did a little bit of uh, not kid parkour but adult parkour when she like flung herself over a dumpster in a car to get to the other side of the street?
0: Yeah, that was impressive. That was impressive to get. Like, I don't know how they were blocked or what, but they got she got like went through like a dumpster full of sand.
2: I guess there might have been some street construction going on, because it seemed like uh, the firefighters faced their own literal roadblock when they tried to switch detours, and they were just a big cutoff in the middle of the street they were supposed to go down before the mm-hmm. commercial hit.
1: We got a tweet from the ever-eloquent Hot Nuts. Yeah. Ooh. Who says, in this episode alone, I saw more broken fourth walls than in the previous 29 seasons combined, most notably at the Fry Challenge. With my tinfoil hat on, do you think this is because season 30 was filmed to be the last? So are they giving a fans behind the scenes?
0: Hmm. I can't imagine that that was, like, a creative choice in terms of, like, okay, well, this is the last season, so let's show people, you know, how the how the frites are made around here. <laughs> I
2: mean, they showed how the frites get made this episode by wheeling yes. it around in a dolly.
0: Come on, Stan, we're going to show them how the chocolate gets made.
2: But no,
0: no, I just think that maybe that by the nature of what they're doing, I mean, that Survivor, you know, has been doing these types of challenges for years and years. I mean, that Amazing Race, this is the first time that they're attempting to shoot a competition like this. So I just think that may, if they had their preference, I, I don't think that they would have wanted to show anything from the production.
2: I'm also confused as to what Hot Nuts is referring to by fourth wall breaking. Are they saying just Phil doing this side commentary no, or were there I, I think other moments a, with people looking into the camera and like talking to it?
0: Uh, I don't know. I mean, did, did you find that there was a lot of that? I, I thought that he's talking about and, uh, you know, far from me to presume that, uh, Hot Nuts is a man, but <laughs> that I, I think that we're referring to like seeing more of the, you know, the crew in the, in the race.
1: I think that was some of it, and I also – I did get a feeling from watching the whole episode that um, the direction felt different. Like Phil's setup shots felt a little artier, and then you know we did see the cameraman, and we did see a little more commentary from Phil. But we don't have to speculate anymore because I actually did get an answer straight from the horse's mouth. Um, Our good friend, uh, friend of the podcast, Pat Cariaga of Amazing Race Production says – I can answer that. Yes, we wanted to give a behind-the-scenes glimpse. No, we don't approach any season as if it's our last. So, thank you, Pat. And thank you, Hot Nuts, for your surprisingly (laughs) um, thought-provoking question.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Jess, anything else from this week on The Amazing Race?
1: Um, I think we've covered everything.
0: When are the two-hour Amazing Race uh, starting? Do we have one coming up next week?
2: The week after
0: yeah we still have one more one hour okay and then a two hour and then i think are we back to a one hour mike before big brother starts
2: yep we're back to a one hour so episode six will be a one hour one the week before celebrity big brother premieres and then from then on out episode seven through 12 are all going to be two hour blocks okay
0: and then ba boom ba boom ba boom Uh, Those last couple of weeks are going to uh, go by really quick. We'll get like six hours of the amazing race over the course of 21 days. It's
1: like a binge watch.
0: Yeah. It's like we're running, race, we're running our own race. Running our own race,
1: yeah. <laughs> so get,
0: get the frites and the hand truck ready because uh, we got a lot of amazing race coming up. But people are really coming for my wig about my poor performance in the amazing race <laughs> fantasy draft. Uh, this is from Walt Reed on Twitter. Oi, poor Rob. So it's true, opposites do attract. You have Nicole Stradamus and Rob Notstradamus for pregame picks.
1: I didn't even pick anybody. <laughs> well, maybe next time you need to come on the I draft the and cold pick your leftovers.
2: Uh, Rob, you are such the Connor in your relationship. <laughs> You've no teams of value.
1: Pineapple, I, pizza. I made no
0: conscious decision other than, <laughs> okay, you guys do the basic race preview.
1: And what have you learned from that, Rob?
0: Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Boy, I'll mail my picks in next time. (laughs) All right. So a lot of stuff going
2: on. Ironic Uh, because you chose only females this time.
0: Yeah. Team Goat, Mike, do you think the Team Goat Yoga will be fighting tomorrow?
2: Um, I I don't think you're gonna get you're gonna another like Curtain Bergen situation from when you did your amazing Race 26 interviews. They've known each other for a long time. The, the The race was a few months ago, but I'm sure they're still gonna be able to have some interesting thoughts about how they felt in Iceland.
1: Okay.
0: All right, well, this was a lot of fun to go through uh, this week with the introduction of the head-to-head twist. We'll see uh, when it comes up again. Uh, Jessica, we had uh, so much fun uh, going head-to-head talking about the mid-season premiere of Star Trek Discovery over on Post Show Recaps the other night.
1: Yeah, that was a total blast. Uh, I highly recommend if you're following Discovery at all, get in on this with us. It's like a whole disco party. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. And if you haven't watched it yet, when you check it out, uh be sure to check out our ongoing coverage on post recaps of Star Trek Discovery. And of course, uh Mike Bloom is uh Mike, what what are you actively podcasting uh right now here in January 2018?
2: I'll be covering SNL when it comes back with a uh, host new globe Golden Globe winner Sam Rockwell. So I'll be coming with that with Rich Tackenberg. I was say and, uh, Rich
0: Tackenberg won a Golden Globe.
2: Uh, I mean, a oh boy it was really a, uh, the biopic <laughs> that we all needed in this day and age. Uh, so you know, I'm I'm sad you didn't get enough credit for it, but it's a it's an award system. Um, I am going to have lunch uh, with Rich
0: Tackenberg next week. Breaking oh news. perfect
2: give him some frites for me yeah. uh on the house uh but I'll, i'm also covering <laughs> top chef with kurt clark and Haley strong over on reality tv we're half ups and i'll tease it by saying that uh, we're gonna have a very special guest hopefully for this coming week of top chef so i'm really excited to bring that to you guys
0: oh a special guest on the top chef podcast uh is it the upside down letter u uh,
2: Well, I know he's gonna. He's really been making promotional stumping. appearances, hitting all or the major shirts, all the major circuits. Can't wait for it to go on to Fallon, so Fallon can rumple, rustle its a uh, its its hump uh, that leads to the the legs of the un- upside down U. But yeah, I guess this is the first stop. It's the requisite stop in your campaign trails. <laughs> yeah. The Top Jet podcast.
0: Okay. Next stop, the Iowa ha! <laughs> 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 <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: upside down you 2020 it's happening uh so uh what is the hashtag do we go with the uh statinous kno? K-
2: statinous <laughs> kno i guarantee unless someone has really bad problems spelling <laughs> nobody has used that hashtag in their life okay okay <laughs>
0: mix things up all right uh well uh, very fun can't wait to hear what you guys have to say in the comments and then we'll also have our exit interview coming up with team goat yoga on thursday so uh be on the lookout for that also if you haven't checked it out yet uh steven fishback and i got together for the first ever love know-it-alls and i thought we had a a, a very positive response to that so check out that podcast which is up on rob has website.com and if you want to send your questions in kia at rob has a website.com and boy, my inbox is just i am inundated with advice questions that's like all of my mail right now is all advice questions
2: who do you think is has Lucas or Brittany asked you a question yet?
0: <laughs> no, and pineapple has not come up. But uh, I've been—it's—it's uh, it's crazy how many questions uh, we're, we're getting pouring in right now. So that's very exciting, and uh, we will have a uh, a very fun guest with us on the next edition of the Love Know It all so uh, Have a good one. Oh, are you
2: having on upside down? You then?
0: <laughs> yeah, no. The upside down you will not be a guest uh, yet. Yeah, we'll have to, we'll wait a couple of weeks. All right. Have a good one, everybody. Take care. Bye. back.